It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 132 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I'm Rob Martin. We are back into pretty much as full swing as it's going to be for a while, as three of the four shows have returned. The fourth one being Legends, which isn't coming back until April. April 1, yep. So yeah, we got some time. I, is that is that a joke? We got to find out. Uh, <laughs> we they're gonna do something fun with it, I'm sure. Knowing yeah. that they're debuting back, they're coming back on April first. But I think it's just gonna be something they're gonna do in the show rather than tell I mean, us it's debuting on the first and it, or it's returning on the first and it doesn't. I mean, I'm pretty sure because again, it's the network. They're, they're probably not playing around because they 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 did that at the TCAs, I think, or in the, in the upfronts for the season. So I think that that. They're not going to troll the no. the entire the entire publicity staff. I I could see them possibly doing something against like a demon of mischief or something that causes pranks. That would be fun for the I, episode I, return. Yeah, but we'll see. It's a wait and see. It's yeah, over two months away. So, uh, but in the meantime, again, we have the second episode of the Flash since its return and the mid season returns of Arrow and Supergirl. Uh, but before we get into those, we made an announcement last week. I figure we can spend a couple minutes on this before we get into it, if you want. Uh, and that is last week we, and on the podcast, and we, we, Rob, you posted some pictures of it too. We announced our first piece of official, and when I say official, this is going to be official, uh, official merch for DC Primetime, and that's the DC Primetime hockey jerseys. Right, and then when we say official, we mean official and not licensed by the by DC. So keep that in mind. <laughs> well, so. I mean, well, I wanted to clarify that you know, <laughs> we when I say it's official, as compared to anything else, like there there are other podcasts out there and other entities out there that will put it de- make a design, throw it into Cafe Press for a T shirt and sell them right. through that. We're not going that route. You have like reached. You buy from us. <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, you have reached out to companies for samples. Like we're making sure everything is top notch before we put it out there. And then you don't go to a website to purchase these jerseys. You go through us to purchase these jerseys. And uh, as far as an update, I think the samples that you ordered are supposed to be in this week. There are uh, the the samples that we get to see the quality of the material of the jersey. Uh, and I hope, I believe, if memory serves correctly, too, we'll see the samples of the blue color. Uh, we have another blue that we liked, too. So that's a little bit of a darker shade. So I think we're going to be seeing the light blue that we posted and then, like, a slightly darker blue. Yeah. Uh, 
not by much. It's more kind of like a if the one's kind of like kind of a sea blue, but it's a little bit brighter. Uh, the other one's kind of a traditional navy, but not quite that dark. It, it, it's it got more of that pop to it. Yeah. So so we'll see that come in. I believe that should be in it, getting shipped to my office on Tuesday. So uh, I should have that enhanced by Tuesday. So that means Ben and I have to meet up in person, take a look at them uh, within, I think, 7 to 14 days because I have to ship them back within that timeline before I get charged for all of them. So yeah. <laughs> but we'll get a chance to see some sizing on them, too. We're, we're just going to take a look at the large and the extra large size, make sure it gives us a better idea on how they fit because Ben and I both normally wear larges, and if they're really huge on us, that way we can tell everybody, hey, whatever your normal size is, absolutely. Because, again, these are going to be built to probably have hockey pads on underneath. But, again, if you're wearing a hockey jersey like normal, uh, without gear, they're meant to lay loose on you. Yeah, so, they're meant to be a little larger yeah. on you. It's, right, it's but, one of the reasons why Kevin Smith wore hockey jerseys. One, because he's a big hockey fan. And two, because they kind of hid his size a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like I said, you'll you'll definitely see shots of, of us maybe showing, hey, this is a large, this is will give you a better idea, or at least just us saying a post, hey, samples came in, quality of the material is great. Right after that's going to happen, I think Ben and I are going to put an order in for the limited edition jersey and blue ones for us so we can see the quality come back, make sure everything's good, um, and make sure we don't need to make any changes before pre-orders go up. So uh, if everything goes right, hopefully that means very end of February. We'll have our jerseys in hand probably, hopefully, the first week of March. That means pre-orders will go up maybe the second week of March if any changes have to be made to the design. Um, again, reminder, if you are interested, we already had, I think, like three people message us stating that they are planning on getting limited edition jerseys. I don't think we've had like one or two requests for the blue, but the limited edition idea apparently was a good idea because a whole bunch of people want jerseys. Remember, the moment that you send us a message saying, hey, boom, we will put a hold on your number. But if you do not pay us or put your pre-order in, your your number is forfeit. It is first come, first serve. We've got to remind everybody on that. And um, I think so. I think, uh, I think we still have to discuss this a little bit, too. Are we doing the limited editions at the time of pre-order of the blue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. so we're OK. So we're going to do them we're doing at both. the same time. Right, right, okay. right. We're doing them. We're doing them both, so we'll we'll be able to figure out pricing and stuff like that. That's why we're running pre-orders for one month. Got it. So yeah. So uh, and like I said, we'll get all the fine details of that out. But yeah, uh, if you have an interest, it's really important for you to send us a message through Facebook.com/slash DC Primetime. Uh, again, we already have I think three people that have requests for the red jerseys. Uh, that means once those are pre-ordered, those numbers are retired. So, uh, but the blue ones, again, anytime you order them, uh, you will always be able to get to choose whatever earth you want. I think so. the only exception to those are uh, celebrities and us, celebrities yeah. and us. Yeah. We're the, yeah, we're the ones it. that if somebody takes our number, no, we still get to choose that number too. So, um, but yeah, cause I know there's, I know we're each going to be ordering the limited edition ones and I know there's one or two celebrities we're going to be sending them to as well. So. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm really anticipating this, like going through the whole getting samples system and, and things like that. And uh, this is fun and it feels legit. So I'm really yeah. I'm really excited. Can I make another side side comment real quick too yeah. before we get rolling? Uh, yeah. So I, I want to say for people that listen to us, 
Uh, I really appreciate all the fantastic messages we've been getting on the Facebook page. It's great. I just want to let everybody know, too, if you only really listen to us, as a reminder, we are not part of Warner Brothers or DC Comics. Um, yes. This is something we're doing for fun. Uh, we had a couple messages, and they were really sweet messages, but uh, it, it kind of hurt my heart a little bit because, um, you know. I wanted to help. I wanted to help, but there's no way for us to help. And that's yeah. uh, help, help, uh, help out a fan or two. Um, tracking down celebrities or anything like that. We wish we could do that. And honestly, it it's a great compliment because, again, that makes you all believe or, you know, how with the, our level of professionalism that we're actually connected to Warner Brothers in DC. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. I know we have a large fan base now and it's just consistently growing. Um, but yeah, like I said, just a reminder, uh, this is something that Ben and I do purely, purely yeah. for fun. Yeah, Ed, th- I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we did. We got that message... Uh, I think one or two days ago, it came mm-hmm. in really late and I just happened to be up and I read it and I just, I felt compelled to answer it right away. Like I could have put it off and answered it the next day, but I was like, no, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I feel really compelled to answer this right now. And I, I don't want to say who it was or what they requested because no, no, no. I don't want to call anybody out and, and cause this is not the only message we've ever gotten like this. No, this is probably like, you know, the fifth or sixth one we've seen over the last year. Yeah. I so. mean, and it, I like, I, I, I really felt for their story and if there was any way possible i i could have helped them or you or i could have helped them i mean i mean and you know and i've i've kind of toned it down the whole humble brag thing about like you know people i've been on stage with and things like that and i i've become i've been lucky enough to call some of these people my friends now and stuff like that but we're still not associated with them in any direct way i mean everything's been indirectly and if I have the means to help somebody through some of my indirect connections, I will. But especially this one, as of late, there's no way at all that we would have been able to help. And I had to find a nice way to tell them, like, you know, we appreciate the fact that you reached out, but, you know, this is who we are. We're not associated with it. And it, it kind of broke my heart to tell them that because I know what it would have meant to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even their response was very to that was very genuine. And, and I didn't such, get to so. read the response. So I'll, I'll have to. It was I'll very quick. It was very quick. And OK, uh, but they were thankful that we responded. And, and that's the thing. We'll always respond. Yeah, it may take us a day or two, but we do our best to respond to. Well, as, well if it's a direct message, we will always respond. Comments on the fa- uh, Facebook page. It's a little tricky because a lot of you were responding and a lot of you were commenting. And, uh, um, you know, and I really want to applaud the community, too, because. I think I've only ever seen one or two comments ever that was a kind of a dig or anything kind of even just kind of like, eh, this is junk, this is crap, things like that. Um, I think I've only ever had to ban one person. Yeah. And and I, that was because it was everything that we posted. They were trying to find the anti-DC pro-Marvel approach yeah. to it. And it's kind of like, hey, you know, it's our thought process always is please just like what you like and be respectful to the the things that other people enjoy. There's no reason to, you know, come down on folks. And trust us, DC fans know we've had a rough ride sometimes. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's going to be honest about that, it's DC fans. If, if, <laughs> but, noth- if nothing else, you're right. We don't always get to reply to comments, but if nothing else, right. I always try to like uh, a comment just to mm-hmm. acknowledge to that person that we have read their comment. Right, that we've seen it, and like I said, and we also do it because we keep an eye on the comments too, just to make sure the community is just being 
you know, awesome to each other. And that's really the the classic bit, uh, Bill and Ted's kind of thought uh, thought process. Be, Be excellent, excellent to each other. Yes. And that's it. That's all you got to do. And uh, I really want to applaud all of you for constantly doing that. So thank you guys so much. Uh, but yeah, like I said, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, more Jersey stuff probably on the way from us in a week. We'll give you guys constant updates on what's going on with that. So yeah, if you are a listener to the podcast and you don't follow us online, uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime uh, and give us a like. And that's where we post a lot of these articles. That's where you can message us and things like that. Uh, and I want to wrap this up by saying one other thing, and that's um, it may seem like we've been light on news lately, um, but that's because it has been kind of light. And when I say that, Yes, uh, websites like comicbook.com and, and, and such are posting a ton of articles, but we filter what we post. We don't post like reviews of episodes. We don't post here's the upcoming of the episodes, and we certainly don't post opinion pieces. Um, I mean, granted, we chime in with our own little opinions whenever we post an article, but we won't post anything that's opinion by comicbook.com or rumor because – Half the time we post something that's rumor, it turns out to never come to fruition. And uh, like I said, if it's something juicy, we'll put it out there, but we'll always make sure to state, take this with a grain of salt, yes. you know, until anything is confirmed. But like also the other piece, too, is there's a lot of times there's comments from the producers, but a lot of times it's non-news, which is why we don't even report it on the episode. If it's something big where it's kind of like, hey, this is definitely going to happen. But if it's kind of like, hey, I'm just reading you an interview, it doesn't really too yeah. much for you. I mean, unless there's something really heavy and important in there, that's the only time we'll post that. It's stuff. it's so. whenever we go for a while without posting anything, it's not that we're not paying attention. It's just that we're filtering what we post. Well, sometimes we're not paying attention, <laughs> that's but it's true. Sometimes it's the case, but we usually make up for it later in the week. Like, oh, by the way, guys, here's 25 articles. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, life, life got busy. Exactly. So, and it's great too, because now the Facebook page has gotten to the point where I remember when we first started it, uh, I would get a notification for every like, every comment, and everything like that. But now there's so many likes and comments that I actually have to go to the page to see. Like, I'll post an article, and about an hour later, I won't get any notifications that anybody saw it, anybody liked it, anybody commented it. But I'll go to the page like an hour later, and there's like 50-some likes mm -hmm. and things like that, which I love because it sends me back to the page, too. Right. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And it's like when I look at my phone, I'm like, 87 notifications. What the <laughs> hell is happening? And I'm like, oh, it's all comments and, and postings and shares on, on DC. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump into things. Uh, we have three episodes to discuss, uh, that being The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. I went out of order, but that's all right. Uh, so starting first, if you're new to the podcast, I will go through, we'll talk about the, we'll, uh, mention the episode number and give it our one, a one to three point ranking sidekick hero or legend sidekick being, eh, or sidekick being bad hero being, uh, okay. And legend being that was amazing. So let's start it off first with Supergirl season four, episode 10. I think you and I are pretty much on the same across the board for all three of these, but, um, Starting off with that episode 10 of Supergirl, sidekick, hero, or legend. What do you give this one? Um, actually, I think I'm going a legend. Uh, you and I talked really, really briefly. A uh, little bit of a slow start, but I think this show found a way to massively shake up their formula in this week's episode. Not just from one thing, but two. We saw that full transition to what John jo uh, John Jones's role is going to be. Oh, that made me so happy. Introduced to a brand new set, uh, which was really cool, uh, and massive shakeups for Kara and Alex and the DEO. 
um, especially going off of where we left off right before uh, the crossover this year. So I, I think they did a really great job of uh, giving us a big, huge um, return for uh, the mid-season premiere. So. Yeah, I, I have one minor issue with the beginning of Supergirl, but we'll get into that when we go into the actual breakdown. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it was a little bit of a slow start, but man, by the end of it, uh, it left me with some feels. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about that a little bit. Uh, next up, we have the mid-season return of The Flash, Season 5, Episode 11, Sidekick Hero or Legend. Oh, I gave uh, Supergirl a legend as well. Sorry. Okay. Uh, for me on Flash, I'm going to give this a hero. Um, and I don't think it had anything to do primarily with the plot. Well, yeah. That's yeah, careful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it very much had things problems to do with the plot. Um, but not purely just the episode. I think we're starting to see some cracks in the armor for the season plot as well. That really kind of showed up here. So, little kind of eh. And um, not bad, but again, eh. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the same. Mid-season or mid-season, mid-level hero for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I, we talked about something during prep, and we kind of had to put a pause on it so that we could save it for the podcast. But there's something happening with this season of The Flash that you and I are pretty much very much in agreement on, and uh, it'll be interesting when when we start breaking that down. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and last, we have the mid-season return of Arrow, Season 7, Episode 10, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Meh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's getting a hero. Um, I think it was fine. Um, I think the future stuff, slightly a little bit more interested again in where where that's going. But at the same time, uh, it's a take-it-or-leave-it kind of feeling at the moment. Um, and I think right now... The show this this week felt like Arrow, guest starring Stephen Amell. <laughs> well, okay, we'll wait till we get into the we'll, breakdown. We'll get about into that. it. We'll get into it. Yeah. But, um. um uh, yeah, it's a mid mid leveling hero again. It's a it's so. a mid hero for me as well. There are um, a couple things, a couple notes that I have about this episode. One, uh, pertaining to what you just said, and two, pertaining to uh, things I have said in the past. Uh, that compare to that are in I know re- where I know I know where your brain's going. Okay, that are in regards to some of the feedback I have seen from this episode, mm-hmm. uh, from people online from this episode. But we'll okay. get we'll yeah, get into I'm, that. I'm curious to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's jump back to the start again. We have season four, episode ten of Supergirl, titled "Suspicious Minds." Colonel Hanley is upset after Supergirl responds to a distress call from a Navy ship that turned out to be a deadly alien attack. Colonel Haley reclaims the site as DEO territory and demands that Supergirl step aside. After she refuses to be told what to do, Haley focuses her energy on finding out Supergirl's true identity and begins to interrogate all DEO agents, including Alex. Um, all right, so I, I have one big discrepancy with this episode, and I'm, I'm going to start it because it's in the beginning of the episode. From what we saw from the mid-season finale, Supergirl is no longer a part of the DEO. She has been told, you know, they have cut ties. She is on her own because she would not reveal her identity to the president and to Colonel Haley. Why is it then Colonel Haley felt she had the right to order Supergirl away? She's Uh, no longer... And why did Supergirl feel compelled she had to listen? Because she's no longer under the control of the DEO. Haley cannot give her orders. Right, when she said that's an order. Yes. And I think really what it is was it's more – I think the the reason for that, because that made me pause too. You're not the only one that, that kind of got tripped up on that line. And then I had to think about it a little bit. 
it's a military officer saying this is an order. Basically, I think it's not I'm ordering you. This is this is a warning. If you don't, you are an enemy of the DEO. I think that's what that line really meant, because you can view that in two different ways. It's kind of it's a little bit of splitting hairs. But, yeah, you're right. That makes a little bit of confusion because she just left the DEO. So orders are kind of normal because i mean if, if if i were kara at that point i would have been like well you can't give me orders any longer right you know i mean i understand why she left as a sign of respect more to alex than and i think that's really what it was is that was the case and i think Haley again she is so ingrained into that military lifestyle and it's kind of like you know and i think also she's like i'm ordering you to do this because it's again it's that warning level it's kind of like if you don't i will make things really horrible for you as if she, she wasn't does. already yeah uh, but i mean like she really does in this episode yeah. like without question oh by the end of the episode yeah things are and they're because of colonel haley yeah so uh but yeah i mean we see at the beginning of this episode there are these invisible aliens that have you know taken over the ship and have it, it will fully intended to blow it up and it's because of supergirl that doesn't happen but that doesn't happen but she's able to see these aliens because of a shimmer and i think it's john that makes it known that it's probably because of her x-ray vision vision that she's able to do this right exactly which i thought was a cool little take like it's kind of like they they're playing with her her power set a little bit and i think that was a cool way to do it yeah exactly but we get a little bit more into this plot and again this episode is pretty straightforward up until the end of it there is a little bit of a slow start uh when it comes to a lot of that we do get a little bit of a side story for a while which was a lot of fun of seeing brainy asking neonal out which uh, again was just fun little levity for it but we also find out it wasn't as a date it was more for him to kind of get her to adapt or accept who she is Right, but, but, not, but not even that, though, too. You can see uh, a ship beginning to start there, obviously, between Nia and Brainy, because you can definitely tell Nia's interested in him. Well, I think we um, were kind of seeing that already at this point. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we saw that going back like several episodes earlier on before the break. Um, but I, you know you're going to see that kind of continue to build. But I think it was fun that not only did we see that there as well, but we also saw him play with John and trying to leave large oh stacks God. of money. <laughs> yes. But I think it's kind of interesting because this brings up a big question in my head. Do you think we're going to see a very hard shift away from DEO stuff in the future now? I, I because do. Because we now have a new set which they look like they spent a lot of time and effort and money on creating this brand new detective agency for John. And it's a larger uh, set, which means they could fit more cast into it. Right. It's, it's And I think we're going to see now because of what changes by the end of the episode with Alex, we're now going to see Brainy, Dreamer, uh, John and Kara kind of have their new little superhero team. And James, because James and, knows and, who she is. Right, and yeah. James. But like I said, you know, we haven't seen James interact as much with the core cast as much recently. We've seen him kind of pushed aside outside of the the Agent Liberty, the monument episode that we saw where he almost had to. He was being forced to try to almost blow up the monument. Um, but we see all this play out, and I think we're going to see a big tonal shift away from the DEO uh, in the very near future and kind of a new secret team playing around Kara. Uh, which is going to be fun. I think it's a really, again, this episode did a lot to shake up the formula and they laid a lot of groundwork here and they did it in a really natural way. 
because all those things have been set into motion early on in the season. We saw right before break, right before the Elseworlds crossover, John walking away with a fedora tip in his hat mm-hmm. and stepping off. Like, oh, my God, they're going to do the detective version of him. And I'm like, that's really great. I did not expect them to go this full tilt into this in the start of the midseason premiere. Well, so I was really excited to see that. I was, too. And I mentioned that when we talked about the midseason finale was the tip of the fedora and, and then kind of hinting at the detective agency. So when we got that full bore this episode and we see, like, you know, John Jones detective agency or investigations on the door, I got so giddy. Oh, I did too. At, at seeing that that's the route that they finally and we kind of hint we kind of predicted that was the way they were most likely gonna go when John left the DEO last season. Yeah, it's like is he gonna become the PI and like and absolutely like and I love that they're not afraid to tilt in that direction. Yeah, now we just need to see at some point a a package of Chacos on his desk and I'm like Again, I, I'm sure it'll happen. Like we saw it back in like season, the end of season one, beginning of season two, yeah. when he's locked up, where Alex brings him the chacos. Yes. But I think I think we'll see it again. I, I think it's a, it'll be a common piece. We've gotten so many great things out of John uh, throughout the course of this series. I mean, from you know, from the car that was his ship, now the detective agency, the chacos. I, and, and even. When he transforms, I mean, we haven't seen him transform into the typical Martian Manhunter a lot lately, but the way they've been going with his character, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, even if you go to Justice League Unlimited and all that stuff when he disappeared, and we see him come back in the end where it's just kind of like this guy that's just living among the people, and all of a sudden he's like, well, I gotta get back in the fight. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think that's the way that they're they're going to show us his character kind of going forward, and I think that's great. I think it's really great. Obviously, we're going to see him back into the fold and be the Martian probably when the elite show up. Uh, you know, when Manchester Black and his team kind of find a way to make things a little bit more intense. So yeah, uh, yeah, but it, you're right. It's, it was great seeing the new set, and I think I think we are going to see a shift in where the show is going to be taking place. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more interiors taking place in John's office. And anytime the DEO comes into things, especially with the way the episode ended, I think a lot of that is going to be them ending up on scene where they are. I don't think we're going to see very much inside of the DEO or not. I think we still will because that's obviously a very big set that they built. And I don't think they're going to not utilize it anymore. But I don't think we're going to see nearly as much happen. But that could also be be we do still have Brainy inside the DEO. So we yeah. could still see quite a bit inside the DEO, and this is just a new addition to the to the uh, to the setting. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's gonna play off. Yeah. So that'll be fantastic. Uh, getting back to the main plot of the story, you know, with these aliens that are invisible, we do find out, and this is kind of jumping forward, but not really. It's just progressing the story because again, started slow, picked up a little bit into into the second half. We do find out that. There is a cover-up behind them. There was a secret government project, and Colonel Haley was involved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's obviously been things that Colonel Haley has been keeping secret, and it's discovered by John, Alex, and Kara that Colonel Haley is involved. And after approaching her, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where she kind of plays it off and one of the best comparisons I saw online was the the, uh, the a few good men, as in like you just can't handle the truth about what's yeah. going on, right? So, uh, but you know, it it really does. It, it feels like 
These invisible aliens and the progression of everything was more just towards the build-up. I think it definitely shines a different light on Colonel Haley. She, there, there is some undermining things with her. But I think for the most part, it really does just further progress where this episode wraps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think you're right, uh, right on the money on that. Um, before we get into that stuff, um, let's do a quick little cleanup on um, Lena and and James. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny too because I actually had a thought in the back of my mind when we were discussing this earlier, and now it um, it finally came back because you brought it up. Um, by the end of this episode, we're seeing they're toning down. And we'll go into this in more detail when we get to it. But they're toning down the number of people who know Kara's identity. And I think that's really... Because we were wondering whether or not Lena was ever going to find out who Kara was. And I think now with the way this episode wrapped, I'm finding it less and less likely that Lena's going to find out anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be kind of the case as well. Uh, at least for some time. But I mean... If identity is going to play a big part of the season, it's possible she might find out still this season. So true. It's a big wait and see. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that was an interesting takeaway, we do see Lena and James have this conversation where they're kind of reconciling. They even mentioned things have been really shaky for them since Thanksgiving. Uh, Supergirl having a very late Thanksgiving episode this year, right before the crossover. Um, but we do see um, her kind of come clean about this whole ability to maybe create metas, uh, basically using the Heronel again, where she brings up to James the experiment that happened on the heart. Um, and he is surprisingly a-okay with everything. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, thanks for it. But you see this look on James where he, you, I don't know if it was just me, but does it feel like to you that he's kind of like, I want to have superpowers? Yes. I'm, and, okay. and that's exactly what I was thinking is I'm wondering if he's getting behind this because he thinks at some point it could mean he's going to get abilities. He, he, you know, he's not going to be just this guy in a suit. Guardian could be something bigger and yes. better. And I think that's where we're seeing. And I kind of like that idea because, I mean, again, we're talking about going back to like the 1950s. You know, the Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen comics, where we see all these weird powers befall James Olsen in the comics and where he becomes Turtle Boy and all these other <laughs> weird things that have happened in the past. Um, it, it would be kind of cool for them to play with some of those ideas, obviously not turning him into Turtle Boy. But, hey, you know, um, let's let's maybe it's, it's going to be a cool way to play homage to those old books from the 50s well, not only, and even things we've seen later in the comics for a little while. Well, not so. only that, but I think it's a good, it, it adds a very interesting dynamic to James and Lena's relationship in that I think he's going to be supporting her in getting these experiments done and, you know, uh, progressing them to the point where they work and then when it gets to that point where he realizes he could have these abilities and he decides he wants them, if she decides she doesn't want to give them to him, you now build tension between this relationship that has just started rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, we know Lex is coming into the picture very soon, too. So there's a lot of little things that can happen because we know Lex is going to be messing with Lena pretty heavily from what we've heard from the executive producers. Um, and that's a big part of John Cryer's role as Lex. So we're going to see that really soon. So I think we're going to see this story continue and continue to elevate. Yeah. So really excited. I am too. Uh, should we just get to the end? Yeah, let's do it. Now, because I think we've covered pretty much most of what this episode uh, constitutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing a big 
heartfelt. And when I say heartfelt, I don't mean in a positive way. We're seeing a really heartbreaking moment by the end of this. Uh, We do see that Colonel Haley brings out an alien species that Brainy is very familiar with, and it is a species that is, doesn't matter how much you try, this species apparently can make you tell the truth about anything and reveal uh, whatever darkest secrets that you have. And it's because of that that one of the uh, DEO members who does know Kara's secret does reveal it to Colonel Haley. Colonel Haley finds out who she is, and uh, rightfully so, With even after Supergirl had saved Colonel Haley's life, Colonel Haley is repeatedly attacking Supergirl, pretty much saying that you are now under my control because I know who you are. Right. It's kind of like, you know what, I'm going to put your friends and family at risk if you don't do what I tell you to. If you don't cooperate, yeah. Right. And then we see Alex Decker yes. just layer out. That was uh, the rightfully so comment. That was what I was right. getting at. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, because right from there, um, Kara has to make a really rough decision uh, with Alex. And they bring in John to, to wipe Haley's memory. And immediately after that, we see that's when the alien species comes in. Uh, because they there's interrogation. The, Kind of a little out of order, but there was an interrogation yeah. beforehand before that alien species is brought back in. But John mentions it's kind of like, you know, I can wipe her memory of this, but I can't get rid of her drive. This is something she wanted to find out. So that's still there. So it leads her to a worse outcome, which is bringing this alien species in. And they all kind of realize they're pretty screwed. Well, I mean, even um, Brainy says at one point, like, if as long as Alex knows who Kara is, there's a 100% certainty that Alec, that Haley will find out. Right. And, um, you know, all the DEO agents, we see about seven, seven or eight of them uh, that know Kara's identity and have been able to keep it quiet. And they all willfully state that they want John to wipe their memories of uh, knowing who her, uh, who she really is. Um, and so we see John go through and do that. And Alex states she absolutely has to do this. Um, and you see this very tearfelt goodbye. And it feels like it's the first time in a long time we've seen you know, John, Alex, and Kara together in one of these really intense moments. Yeah. And we see this play out, Kara leaving, and the episode ends with right uh, right as John touches Alex's face and then credits. So, yeah. Um, it, now, I mean, it, it is very heartfelt because it or heart, heartbreaking because, again, these are two characters where neither one of them are leaving, but they are, in essence, saying goodbye to one another. Well, Alex is saying goodbye to Kara because... Alex, Kara will know who Alex is, obviously. She will always know her as her sister. But it is kind of heartbreaking to know that every time she sees Alex, Alex will not know who she is. She'll know her as nothing more than Supergirl. Right. And it's kind of, I thought it was a cool touch that they talked a little bit about that final episode of Elseworlds where we do see, um, you know, Deegan's version of Superman working with a modified DEO. Uh, that's essentially where Alex is at that point in time. I already, I've already been to a world where you didn't know who I was. Right, right. And I thought it was touching to to bring up that point uh, and see how this is going to play off. Because again, um, you know, obviously, you know, they, they're going to remember Supergirl worked with the DEO. Alex will remember that's not who she really is. So it makes you question and wonder how much that's going to tweak Alex's mind, and is she going to be now more on the side of Colonel Haley, which I think is a big possibility i think it's a good possibility too i mean because the one thing that was driving her to be against Haley, which was the protection of Kara's identity is gone yeah so she could side more with Haley now and i think that's going to be the case and we're going to see alex kind of on the opposite side of all this for quite some time uh so i think this was a really cool smart move and i hope that they don't 
undo this completely by season's end. I would like to see this continue a little bit. That way, we, we do have this big, huge shakeup and change to the way that Supergirl, as we know it right now, becomes something completely different. And I think that's I think that's a really fun, interesting idea. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Uh, before we move on, there is one big thing about this episode we forgot. And that is the way the episode begins. Oh yeah, yeah. We see Red Daughter. Yes, again we see Red. We see Red Daughter again, and we can see the Russians kind of training her in hopes that they can control her. But that is going to be the big question when the time arises. Right, and I'm I'm thankful that they brought that up because I forgot about it completely during the break. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to see that play out really soon. I do too. Uh, looking forward to next week, season uh, season four, episode eleven, titled "Blood Memory." Kara joins Nia on a trip to Nia's hometown to visit her family during the town's in in all <laughs> annual ho- uh, harvest fest. While home, Nia's mother encourages her daughter to embrace her destiny. So it's that, that town, Pawnee, Indiana. Oh yeah. my god, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's harvest festival. It's all good. Yeah, do it up. Oh god, that would be fantastic if it was just just them, them sitting in the crowd listening to uh, Five Thousand Candles in the Wind. You know, uh, <laughs> go to a mouse rat show, bye, know, whatever it may be. Bye, bye, little Sebastian. Um, all right, <laughs> moving on to our next episode of the, the... God, that would be so fantastic. Uh, moving on to our next episode of the week, Season 5, Episode 11 of The Flash. Seeing Red, during a battle with Cicada, Nora is severely injured. Due to Cicada's dampening powers, Nora's speed healing isn't working. Barry and Iris are scared for their daughter's future. An enraged Flash confronts Cicada in a brutal battle. So, uh, a friend of mine posted something online, and I read this comment before I saw the episode. And I saw the and when I read the comment before I watched the episode, I was like, no, I I really don't think you know what you're talking about and blah 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 blah. And that comment was, does anybody else believe that Barry could have beaten Cicada already? And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, no, because his powers are always dampened and blah blah blah. And then I watched this episode. And I kind of agree with her now. At the end of the episode, you're like, yup. Yeah. (laughs) The big point of contention we have with this, and this is kind of really jump-starting this conversation, is that is the Cicada villain kind of tiresome already? And I think the answer is yes. That's not a question. (laughs) Yeah. The answer is yes. I mean, don't – let's just get past the fact that, like, I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that every time I see Chris Klein, I just think this is a – brooding Oz striker from American Pie. Uh, it still hasn't sit right with me that he's playing this character. I think he's doing a great job. I just can't get the whole Oz character out of my head. But I think, yeah, I think I'm growing tired of Cicada. And I'm really hoping that with the way things played out by the end of this episode, we're going to make a switch. And you kind of predicted this last time we talked about The Flash, when we talked about this last week that the true big bad of this season is not going to be Cicada. It's going to be Reverse Flash again. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that plays out. And even if he's not the big bad, um, I will, like, Reverse Flash. I, I think it it's because the reason why I think it's more difficult to continue to watch this plot play out is it served its time and purpose. They've made him too sympathetic uh, because of what's going on with his daughter, and now they're looking at how to stop this from a different angle. But it was, it feels like Dr. Alchemy all over again. Where Dr. Alchemy, I'm like, okay, cool, okay. It served its time and its purpose. You wrapped it up. Here's the big bad. 
you know, here here is Savitar, you know, whatever it, you know, it, well, yeah, it was Savitar. I was trying to remember yeah. again, going back a couple years. Um, but yeah, I think that's the downside right now is they have an opportunity to kind of speed through this, no pun intended, and wrap this piece up because there's <laughs> another fun story hiding in the background right now, and it's not getting enough time. And that's the story I'm the most interested in right now. And I think that's the other thing that's not working is you have HR or not HR. God damn it. Sherlock. Uh, Sherlock. Uh, damn, I want HR back. Um, I know. Uh, but you have Sherlock uncovering this mystery. But I think the reason why it's not playing right now is because we already know the answer to that mystery. So it's just kind of him trying to figure out those next little pieces. And I think it would have been a more engaging, enjoyable story for the viewers if we didn't know the answer to that yet. So when he figured it out, that reveal would have been huge, you know. I'm still, but you know what? There, I think there's a possibility for an interesting twist on this. Oh yeah, I, no, there absolutely uh, is. Because I, it's one of those things that I'm still intrigued in that storyline. Because me, as a, as somebody who's been a fan of Reverse Flash and Eobard since the beginning of the series, uh, and not only that, but now in the comic books, I, I like Eobard as well. I'm a fan of the character. Is I, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out because as much as I know how evil he is. I'm kind of rooting for him to have turned his life around before his life is over uh, and have that, you know, that that redemption arc. I, I, it's weird to say that, but I'm kind of hoping it plays out. And I, I'm intrigued in watching it because I'm curious to see how it's going to play out as if you if he is he really truly that evil or has he kind of come around on his evil ways a little bit. But I think there's also a possibility for an interesting twist here in that the villain of the second half of the season isn't Cicada, it isn't Eobard, it could be Sherlock. Because of the way he's now investigating, and we got that moment this episode with Iris kind of kind of going against him a little bit, knowing that he's investigating Nora. Well, I mean, I don't think we're, he's going to be kind of thought of as the big bad guy. No, no, and, and, imagination. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's going to be a, become a big point of conflict. And yeah, I think that's what the I meant. person that's going to end up coming to his aid in this is maybe going to be Ralph where Ralph is going to be like, yeah, there is something wrong here. You know, I want to see that detective skill of Ralph kind of come back into the forefront with Sherlock and them being like, something's wrong. Something's off. You know, I want to see that alliance kind of pull together. Uh, and I think it's. I think we're going to probably see it. I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen. Now, now, do you think? Because I think that that side story that you're talking about that needs to get more attention that isn't really getting the attention it deserves right now is the the metahuman cure. Um, and am, am I right? That's what you were referring no, to. No, I, I was. I was talking more about the 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 reverse flash Nora of it all. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I think that is the, that's the 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 focal point that needs the big focus right now, and I think that will. Uh, bring some new life into this season uh, to help shift away from from you know the Cicada you know main plot because uh, yeah you're right I and I think everybody else is right as well I think this is something that could have easily been wrapped up they had an opportunity to do it in the mid season finale didn't choose to even though because again it was as we joked about it back then you know Cisco had his Thor moment from Infinity War of you know I'm just throwing it in outer space instead of another Earth. You know, it's yeah. like you had an opportunity to make it sure it never ever came. You should have aimed for the head, like uh, that was right. his. It's, it's, yeah, it was it was his moment there, and I think they had an opportunity to just end it. Uh, I know we got to drag this out a little bit longer, and I don't think that this story ever had enough to make it last an entire season. Because again, and, they introduced the cicada and teased him in episode one of this season, and said, "Boom, here he is," and I'm like. 
is that going to bite you in the ass? And I think it's starting to. Yeah, and I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I praise the writers a little bit because the writers did do something this episode uh, to kind of make Cicada a little bit more formidable than he has been, mm-hmm. and that was by literally breaking Nora's back. He Cicada had his Bane moment in this episode, uh, and I think they did that intentionally to, one, they, they wanted to drive the anger of Barry, obviously, because this is something that happened to his daughter, but I think they did do it as kind of a way to, as I mentioned, make him a more formidable opponent. They wanted to make him seem like a stronger villain than than we're kind of portraying him to be. I, I, the only reason I'll, I'll kind of counter counter argue you a little bit on that is we know he's formidable. He's been killing metas left and right, but ultimately I kind of thought the the backbreak was kind of a weak move. Okay, uh, because it had no lasting impact. It only it was uh, it's like oh no she she broke her back she's paralyzed and they played that scene up when that happened, but like. 15 minutes later she was moving her feet she was walking we see excess back in the fight by the end of this uh, but at the end of the episode so i it felt like wasted airtime okay i, I mean, mean I, again i see where you're saying but i i think there's there's two sides of that coin um you know i, I think they've definitely made him formidable i mean there's no question about it like you generally feared for most of those metas and i was kind of surprised all of those metas made it out alive in that episode i really didn't anticipate that you know i thought at least uh, Norvok was going to uh, you know bite it when we see that you know the, the you know Cicada's dagger fly through the air with yeah. Norvok's face and then Ralph pulls him up at the last second I'm like oh I thought he was going to get it in the face you know what though you but know? that brings up a very interesting point and in that I, I like I agree with you I thought some of those metas were going to bite it by the end too especially I was if any of those metas got it I was really rooting for Peekaboo to be the one to get it cuz yeah. she was just selfish the entire time right but uh, and Norvok kind of stepped up and kind of became a hero and a little bit. So he well, it was kind of neat to also get his backstory a little bit. Too. Yeah, and I was like, that's kind of cool. Like you know, he saved a kid and things went wrong for him and it tilted him in the wrong life. Yeah, it kind of gave him a little bit more of a sympathetic look. And I think the reason why they did that was when you got to that cicada moment and you saw that dagger going for him, you were kind of rooting and hoping he makes it. Yeah, and, and I think they did a good job actually making me care about a person I didn't care about. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get Aminette Black in this episode. I'm like, man, really? She was mentioned. We, she was. And I'm like, ah, come on. But I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that with all those metas at the end and everybody surviving, I think that really did a great job at shining a light on Ralph again. Because we, we haven't seen Ralph for a while, at least not in action. And this is the first time we're really getting it. So to see Ralph really step up to be the hero that he is, but at the same time, almost disappointing when you get that moment where you find out he's willing to help um, Caitlin with the metahuman cure, because it kind of puts that thought in the back of your head of, okay, if he's behind this, is he behind this because he wants it to be an option for other people? Or does he really, is he starting to consider this for himself? I think this is him wanting to do it for other people. I think he, I, I think that's that idea of choice is really was hammered home really wonderfully in the mid season premiere where they're like, no, this is a choice for people that want to do it. And I like the idea of this meta human cure um, plot thread. I think they could bring out a lot of interesting story points because of it. So I'm curious to see how that will indeed play off. And I think all of us understand where this is going to probably go. They're going to create a metahuman cure and cure uh, Cicada by the end of this so he can go back to having a life you know, with his with a, his a, a life with his kind of um, surrogate you know, daughter. Yeah, yeah, his surrogate daughter. 
and it's gonna wrap up in a nice kind of happy ending for them. Like obviously he's going to Iron Heights for some time. Let's let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, but um, but I think one of the things that they did do here again too, I always love when they have Flash and Flash's allies play nice with the bad guys, and it's kind of like you see that heart to his character where it's not about let's make sure that they get their comeuppance and locked away. It's just kind of like, hey, you don't need to do this. Everything's okay. We're actually here for you. We don't want to do anything to stop you. We just want to make sure you guys are safe. Yeah. And I always liked that about The Flash. And I think that's what makes him such a great hero and the people that work with him great heroes. And I think that that translated really nicely again in this episode. Yeah. Um, we talk about the metahuman cure and how that could really play out to a number of different storylines. Do you think there's any possibility that this season they could wrap up the Cicada thing within the next couple episodes and Nora, Nora's story with Sherlock and Eobard and the metahuman cure could really be the rest of this season without potentially having another big bad? It could be. It very well could be. And I think it could work. The one thing that is kind of bothering me now, too, and I didn't think about it until we, we went through all this, you know, we've had Cecile, you know, D.A. Cecile Horton uh, going through um, and still having some of her lingering powers, you know, uh, where she can still read people's minds. Why has she not realized something else has been going on with Nora, that she's hiding something? That's, I think, interesting because they haven't touched on that at all. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't even like really put that together. Hole. Yeah, I just, it just kicked in my brain right now. I'm like, wow, that's kind of a big-ass plot hole that they haven't addressed. And I think they need to. I really think they need to. Yeah. Because she is very much hiding something consistently. So for her to not have that connection, and especially with the amount of time Cecile and her have spent together in the show since she's been in, that seems a little weird. Well, but I also think, too, just to play devil's advocate to that situation, too, is that Nora has to be thinking about that in order for Cecile to pick up on it. So it could potentially be that she's never just really been in a situation where those thoughts have been on Nora's mind. And that's my guess, too. Um, but I think they need to they're going to have to address it because, again, that is a lingering thing that's out there. That I'm sure that people are thinking about. So, yeah, well, we'll see. It's a big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts on this episode before? we talk about next week and move on to arrow no like i said fine episode but yeah this i think the cicada thing's a little tiring at this point and just kind of hopefully gets wrapped up within the next couple weeks it's time to move on yes exactly in both our show and in flash yes (laughs) so uh looking forward to next week's arrow or next week's flash uh episode 12 memorabilia when Sherlock wants to use a memory machine on Barry and Nora to help gain access to Grace's memories, I don't know who Grace is, Nora panics, fearing her parents will find out about the secret she's been keeping. So uh, it looks like we are going to go a little forward now with the, the whole Nora storyline and the whole Nora aspect starting next week. So, all right, moving on to the final episode of this week. Uh, that would be Season 7, Episode 10 of Arrow. My name is Emiko Queen. Oliver wants to get back to work and focus on his marriage, but Dinah wants him to track the new Green Arrow. Diggle and Lila must answer to Argus about Diaz. Now, middling hero. That's what we gave this one. Yes, and I got to say something real quick. Okay. I was like, hey, one thing that's kind of awesome about this episode, the return of the Suicide Squad. Wait, I mean Task Force X. Wait, I mean the Ghost, <laughs> Ghost Initiative? Yes. What What the hell? Wait, but I mean, and- <laughs> we, we do know that is basically the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, this feels like 
this episode, the writers had to come up with a new name because Warner Brothers said, you can't use the Suicide Squad. And like, but we have a plot thread idea. And like, you can't call it Suicide Squad. And that's what this episode felt like to me with the DS stuff. Um, and it also made me walk away from this episode. It was like, who's the bad guy of this season? No, really. Who's the bad guy of this season? I have no idea whatsoever at this point. Yes. Um, it's Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, we knew that Diaz was going to survive, but I like the fact that, you know, it, it was nice little nods to the Suicide Squad of, you know, uh, being the, he's the new he's the first new member putting the explosive in the back of his head, mentioning Amanda Waller like it's this is very obviously going to be another form of the Suicide Squad. And to see some other characters get added to this, it, it might be fun depending on how they do it. It's not going to be fun because we know it's China White, Cupid, and Duststroke Jr. Oh, God, that's like, right. We already found out. <laughs> oh, that's right. Just because of no. Cupid. <laughs> Mainly because of Cupid that we're kind of disappointed. In well, the whole... we'll see how it plays out. Um, I mean, again, I'm not going to... I mean, again, I'm excited because I really like when they do Suicide Squad stuff. It's yeah. just, again... I think that the fact that they had to come up with a brand new name and all this stuff, it feels like they're already being hampered with what they're allowed to do with it. Um, and if you're going to have the Suicide Squad, man, I want like Ro. I, I, Deadshot needs God, to be yeah. There, you know? Yeah. And I, because he's always been such a big part of those episodes. And yeah, you can always have new ones. And he had this great kind of final moment. But man, I would, I, I want him back. I really want him back. I do too, because he was fantastic. And he's just been. Uh, again, he was a former guest on the, on the spotlight, and uh, he was so much fun to talk to. But yeah, I would love to have Michael Rowe back because he well, was I think, so dynamic yeah. when he was on. And I think my big concern is ultimately, you know, the whole idea of, of Diaz has got to give up this information uh, in exchange for his freedom, not knowing about, you know, we're just calling it the Suicide Squad instead of the Ghost yeah, Initiative. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I, I think the problem is because of we already know who that team is. I can't see any of them playing off of Diaz great. And I think that's the problem because we really don't know much about, um, you know, you know, Slade's son outside of that one or two episodes that we got from him was last year, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was like mid midway through last year where we got that storyline. Um, so we're going to see that play out a little bit. And I think they could have an interesting back and forth, but I, China White's always been a very empty character and I, I don't see that she's going to bring anything interesting to that team dynamic and Cupid and Diaz together seems like oil and vinegar I mean or, or like you know or oil and water it's just I, I don't see how it's gonna meld in the right way I mean she's it's again it's gonna be purely dependent on how they play her next week so it's a big wait to see yeah so. um okay so getting into this I mentioned when we started talking about this episode that there was something that was out there on the internet, and I have a theory behind it, and then I have my personal opinion behind it. So I'm going to jump into that, and then we'll use that as the launching point to talk about the episode, because I think it's a good way to do it. I'm going to read something that somebody posted. I'm not going to mention their name in case they listen or anything like that. This comment reads, this episode has been on for 52 minutes. Oliver has had five minutes of screen time. Felicity, about three and a half minutes. This show is Arrow, and it's supposed to be about Oliver Queen. I have no interest in watching the Emiko, Renee, Zoe, Diaz, Argus, Agents show. After the crappy first half of this season, this is so disappointing. Damn it, Beth Schwartz. Okay. Let me jump into this for a minute. <laughs> 
Force... Hey, I want to meet this person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We talked about Flash last week being very Grant Gustin light. And it was because of the shooting schedule of the crossover. This is the same situation. Yeah, it is. I think uh, this shot the same week. It was shot the same week. So there's very little Oliver because of the fact that he was in Chicago shooting the crossover. That's one thing. Okay, that's the explanation as to why this was very light. And I think exploring Emiko and Emiko's backstory during that time was very smart. Now, here's my personal touch on this. I've mentioned this before. This show is not called Oliver Queen is the Arrow. It is called Arrow, meaning anybody can don that hood. And I think if the writers, including Beth Schwartz as the showrunner, wanted this show to continue after... Stephen Amell steps down. This is the way to do it. You introduce somebody else who can don that hood. You can't just have them jump into it the day after Stephen leaves. You have to establish this. And I don't. And so, on in regards to that, this show is called Arrow. It's supposed to be about Oliver Queen. No, it isn't. It's supposed to be about the character of the Green Arrow. No matter who that character is. That's true, and I do agree with you. And I knew, again, when I watched this, I knew this was an argument you were going to bring up. I will say, in the defense of the person that wrote this, if Stephen Amell leaves this show, this show will his ratings will plummet. Oh, I'm not denying that at all. all. And it, this show has no future. Like they can attempt it, but that's like when they introduced, "Hey, Scrubs ended." Hey, by the way, guys, we're going to do a new season of Scrubs without any of the characters you like. Know what happened? That show got canceled. Oh, yeah. Very fast. Oh, I'm not saying that's... That was horrid. And I think, yes, you can get away with doing Emiko for a little bit. But my problem in this show, and I agree with them, is the fact that this season has been very light on the superheroics. And that's okay. You're allowed to do that. Absolutely. Because if you're going to tell a really fun, interesting, compelling story, I think, again, just like Flash right now, the plot line of the season has run its course and they need to inject some new blood and new some new life into it and her- heroics and what people expect from the DNA of what this show has been. Um, and, and this was an argument I made, you know, in the midseason finale and said, this show is just making me go, why? I'm like, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm just constantly asking why instead of that was awesome. That was cool. Don't get me wrong. Cinematography is fantastic. I love so many of the characters in this show and when they have those great moments to shine. Oh, cinematography, I, fight choreography. There's so many great awesome. moments. Yeah, I think it's one of the best of the best that has ever appeared on TV, especially on a network like CW. I mean, like the amount of work that they do to make this show look stunning and play out stunning is top notch. And I think this show, regardless of the way that its plot lines, character threads have gone, any of those things, that is one thing this show has never, ever lost. And I well, commend it so much well real quick just to you know just to jump on that too arrow changed the landscape for superhero shows on television yes smallville got a 10-year span but smallville at the time was the only superhero show on television they arrow changed the landscape in showing that a character like this could survive on television and spun off other shows to the point where now not only do we have flash arrow supergirl legends of tomorrow but on the marvel side we've got the netflix shows like Arrow is the one, in my opinion, is the is the show responsible for all these other shows. If, I absolutely agree on that. Absolutely, if, it, it, it is it is the Beatles of of yeah. the, of the superhero genre. It is this is how you do it. If 
if X-Men, Blade, and the original Spider-Man were saying, this is how you can do a movie, like a superhero movie on the big screen, um, and it gave everybody ideas, and like, we can push harder, we can go further with these ideas. Arrow did it on the small screen, amazingly, and I think you're 100% right. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, Smallville was, is, is an example of how, you know, superhero shows existed before, but, you know, you look at characters like Superman, who had his own show through Smallville, Batman, who had his own show through Batman, like, these are characters that everybody was already new and familiar with, and you knew people were going to watch. But then you take a show like Arrow, which is a secondary character at the time. He's now a more primary character now. But, you know, compared to Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, he was a secondary character. You could, again, Arrow was the show that showed the world you could take a character like this and make them watchable, make them understandable, and make them interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, again, right now the problem is, you know, I, you know the Arrow fan fandom. I, I I think is very justified in the way that they're feeling right now, um, and they had those feelings last year too, and several years before that, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's there's a lot of weird inconsistencies consistently happening in the show, um, and let's talk about this episode a little bit because okay. one of the biggest inconsistencies in even that very short amount of time we do see Emily and Stephen interact together. We see sequences, you know, between the two of them. And again, right, five minutes of screen time and three minutes of screen time. Totally. I, I, I fully agree with that. Um, I think it was a little more than five minutes, but I mean, in the, in the uh, grand... Not, not much. <laughs> not much. But OK, but I, I do think it was a little more than five minutes. But OK, uh, I, I digress. But regardless, the yeah. short amount of time that they have. Did, did they both hit their heads? Like, I understand they kind of came to a kind of a, a, an accord in, in Elseworlds about the relationship and where things were going. But, like, this episode, when we see them, they're like, nothing had ever happened. And I'm like, did I miss an episode? Did I <laughs> did I suffer a, a, a minor head injury that I'm just forgetting things? But, like, it was – it confused me a little bit. And I think even actually after I watched the episode, I actually was skimming through to see what some other thoughts were to make sure I was – not fully off base and, you know, any, you know, disinterest I'm, I'm having in any shows or anything is impacting the way I'm viewing it. But even IGN was like, did I miss something? And I'm like, I was like, cool, it's not just me. Uh, because, yeah, Elseworlds, they kind of rectified a little bit. But it doesn't just turn off like, you know, that. It's not just a quick snap and all of a sudden all of the marital problems you have and the way characters are being portrayed for an entire season just turn off. Like, you know, we've seen Felicity going down this road of kind of crossing the line all season long. And this episode, it is, it felt like we were seeing Felicity from season two. And I'm like, I, I'm kind of confused here. I'm like, you know, are we shifting back? Are we ignoring all that stuff now? I'm not quite sure what's quite quite happening at this point in time. So I, I, I want to see where that's going to go, but I hope that they don't forget what they built up. And I hope that those squabbles between the two of them don't continue and we don't see this continued progression of Felicity down this dark path because even though while I may not be a, a huge fan of it I think there's an opportunity to do something huge especially because you keep hinting at that storyline and what's to come for her with the future story so it felt like a weird shift to see her this happy-go-lucky Felicity this episode didn't her short couple scenes she had um, so I'm kind of curious of where that's gonna fall so. yeah no, I agree. I agree with you with that, too. Uh, I think the other thing that's very interesting about the whole five to six minutes of screen time that these two characters have had together, too, is that we're finding out that Oliver really doesn't know. There are still things about his family legacy that he doesn't know. 
Um, you know, obviously he's finding out that he has a he has a sister now because of his father and a relationship that he had. But not only that, we're also getting glimpses that there are particular parts of his mother's life that were still kept a secret from him. Yeah. So and I love yeah, and I love the fact that they brought up Walter. And even Felicity is like, yes. Oh yeah, I forgot Walter was friends with your dad. I'm like, I forgot Walter was a character. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if we ever get to see that character return in a flashback. Yeah, I think he actually could be a really important character to bring back in uh, in an episode or two the season to kind of shed some light on the secrets of Robert and Mora Queen because he's the only character that alive to be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would be smart for them to bring Walter back in. And not to mention, too, I can never remember that actor's name, but he is a phenomenal actor. Um, so. I, you know what? I had it pulled up before, and I can't remember I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be really interesting to see them bring him back, um, in some way, shape, or form to kind of progress the story a little bit forward. Yeah. Too. Uh, so I mean, let's talk about the Emiko of things, and before we jump into the flash forwards, because there is a little bit of progression with that as well, and that is I'm still looking for that name, and I got to stop. Um, oh, I thought I had it for a minute. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, oh. Colin, Colin Salmon. That's it. Yes. Uh, that's it. I, I had it there, and I, I couldn't remember what it was, but that's it. Okay. So now I can stop looking. Uh, you know, we do obviously see that Emiko and Renee are working together. Renee knows who she is. He knows who she is, but he doesn't know who she is because he doesn't even find out her name until this episode. So, But I think even when she gives him the name, she still only gives him Emiko. She doesn't say right. Queen. So he doesn't know yet to the degree of the relationship between the two, Emiko and Oliver. I think he just knows that she's somebody who stepped into the Arrow role for the time being. Right. I agree with you. And I will say this, though, too. I really thought the dynamic between Emiko and Renee was actually pretty interesting. I do, too. I actually too. Like, I like what they're doing that, with that. And I really I, I like seeing Renee saying, I don't care about this anti-vigilante act. I am going to do this. This is the right thing to do. It's a person that's lost, doesn't know his direction. Uh, and it said, even made that line and, and statement in this episode said, everybody else has found a new way to kind of still be heroes. And all I'm doing is helping out in, in kind of this tiny little chunk of section of the glades. And um, for me to be able to be a hero, I got to be Wild Dog. And I like that. I really thought that was cool. So I, I want to see that story continue. My thoughts on Emiko right now, I don't know what I think of her character. She seems, for Arrow, from what I say this, a character that is re feels broodier than Oliver at her is his at his worst at times. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I, I can see that. Think, I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, he has the he always has had the gravitas to pull that off. Uh, and I think because we know so little about her character at this point, and we're just introduced into who she is, and he's like, nope, she's just broody, and she's broody and wants revenge, and. That's not a good enough reason sometimes. But she's you, also she's also her character is kind of starting off the same way Oliver did when we first met Oliver. Right. And I think one of the things that I think for fans of the comic books, again, Emiko is kind of that character. But the reason she worked so well in the comic books is she's essentially Emiko was essentially kind of what Damian Wayne was to Bruce Wayne. Uh, like Damian makes Bruce look like a puppy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because civilized. Damian, yeah. Yeah, Damien is this little tiny nightmare child that will stab and kill anything in his path just to get what he needs. But I love his character for that because of the way that they play him. Um, and 
it worked so well because he had all these characters to bounce off of. Emiko was that character in the comics, but because it worked so well because Oliver is so lighthearted in the comics. He's quippy and all those other little things, and he's not here. And I'm wondering how they're going to pull this off because I think they're going to have to shift Renee a little bit into that, or Curtis is going to have to have a heavier involvement in that fold to make sure that there's a like proper playoff for her. Because if it's just Renee on his quest and Emiko super broody and angry... I think it, that that plot thread may not play. Well, well, so. let's but let's look at the comparisons though between Oliver and Emiko. I mean, they're both they were when Oliver first started with the series, he was he had the same driving force. He wanted revenge mm-hmm. as Emiko does now. As Emiko does now, Oliver, however, at the time when he returned from Lee and Yu and, and got back, he had people like John Diggle. He had people like Thea. Um, you know, he had people like uh, oh God, what was his friend's name that died? Um, it, it's Tommy. Tommy. He had people yeah. like Tommy. He had his mother. You know, he had Felicity. He had people that kind of, <clears throat> kind of reeled him in and grounded him. Right. Emiko doesn't have that yet, which is right. why she's her path, while similar to Oliver's, is taking a different divide because she doesn't have the people in her life to kind of reel her in yet. And I think yeah. there's, I think that's going to happen. A little bit further down the road. And it's it's going to take time. And yeah. I 100% am willing to give it all the time it needs to do that. I think the, the thing that they have to be careful and cautious about is we've already seen Oliver's story. And for her to mirror it too closely, like we even saw her cross names out of a journal in this episode, uh, which was a nice nod to the beginnings of the way that the era started. But if they just feel like they're carbon copying Oliver, I think they're going to find themselves in some trouble. Uh, because I think the problem is you need to show the similarities, but also the bigger differences. And I'm not seeing any differences from the start of his story yet. They, I, I want to see that play out because we kind of saw also another version of Oliver's tale through Prometheus and Adrian Chase. And we saw what happens when that story goes the opposite direction. So I think because we've already seen the story play out in two ways, the positive and negative, to do it again feels like they're kind of going back to the well a little too soon. So I really want to see them in the next episode because I think they have a really interesting groundwork here. I really, really do. I think we can get a really amazing story out of where this is going to go. But I think they have to be very cautious in the way that and tiptoe through the glass to make sure that they come out on the other side unscathed. Yeah. Because I think if this is one of those ones that it could be really easy for them to screw up and muck up in the wrong way. So I really hope that they're very careful and cautious. But I do think the Renee and uh, Emiko angle together is working and i think it could play off well it's interesting to see where how that's going to play off once oliver is into that fold uh because we do see at the end of the episode oliver confronting her at the gravesite so i'm looking forward to seeing that play off and i do think again while i still give this a middling hero i think it was only about maybe five minutes of additional screen time that could have elevated this closer to a legend territory there's a lot of cool things to be laid out here but none of them fully played off yet because i think there's so much more to see yeah <clears throat> but again i mean i think it also goes into limited scheduling for steven this right. episode too so and again and i even if not having steven in the episode would have been okay i i think it's we we needed at least another five minutes or so with emiko to get a better idea of who she is outside of just this revenge plot i want to know a little bit more about her if she is a person that is kind of a one-note character that's driven purely on revenge and that's it and that's all she lives and breathes i think they're gonna, you're gonna have some problems with her because then it's gonna mirror Oliver's original start of his story a little too closely. So I do want to make sure she doesn't 
dip too far into that over super broody character, um, you know, and they find a way to make sure she stays likable as well. I mean, and you look at Kate Kane when we saw her in Elseworlds, she was this very broody character and such uh, to an extent, but we also saw her persona as Kate Kane kind of making jabs at people and stuff like that, where she, you walked away and you're like, I love her. She's great. She's going to be a fantastic character. Emiko, they had a lot more time than even that they did with somebody like Kate Kane. And I'm still like, I'm not too sure what I think of her character yet. Yeah. No, and I, I agree with that. I think it's it's one of those things that, that I think it's just going to take a little time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I just I hope they don't take too, too long to get to that point. I think they need to make sure if she's going to be a big focus in the person wearing the hood for a little while, um, they need to give us um, a likable trait, a character trait. I think that needs to come in soon. Do we think we're going to see two hooded people for a while? I think it's a good possibility. We're going to see Emiko have, carrying the hood and Oliver. Well, Oliver technically doesn't have to wear the hood any longer. He can just wear the costume right. without the hood because people, everybody knows who he is. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good possibility that's the way we're going to see that play out. So, okay. um, yeah, so big, big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the future because that's, um, you know, what it's what it's come down to. And, well, not what it's come down to. That's really, I think, that's all that's left to talk about this episode uh, is the future element. But, uh, you know, we're getting another shot more of the flash forwards. And this time around, we're finally getting to see Renee for the first time and where he stands in the position in the future. Uh, and that is, it looks like he is the mayor of, uh, of the, is it the Glades? The Glades yeah. Not Star City. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it's a very interesting dynamic because it leaves me curious of a couple things that uh, Felicity's murder has been brought up by Dinah to Renee and how do you feel this played off? Like, what were your conclusions to this? Do you feel that Renee kind of had something to do with it? Or do you think this is going to kind of bring him around to kind of suiting up again in the future? Um, I hope we see him suit back up in the future. But you know what? I think I don't know how this played. It was that idea that we saw, um, you know, Dinah kind of come into the mix and kind of pushed him into a direction. It was kind of like, hey, you know, um, you would not normally do this. You would be a type of person that's going to, you know, save anybody that's in need or in, in danger and all this stuff play out. And he, you know, we get to a later scene and we don't see this whole thing play off with getting, you know, what what was the protocol or the... Uh, I think it was like the arrow protocol. Or was that yes. something different? Uh, it was, it was, or yeah, it was something like the arrow protocol, but it was, or not the arrow protocol. It was called something different, but close the archer, uh, the archer. archer that's it. Yeah. Uh, but it was basically, it was, you know, uh, you know, I'll give you the codes or we're no, sorry. Blah, my brain is what <laughs> it does that sometimes. <laughs> um, Dinah's like, give me the codes to be able to access the system. It's the only way we can stay, save star city from falling apart. And we see Renee being so reluctant to do that. And then all of a sudden we cut away. And Dinah's like, I got it. And I'm like, wait, I, I, if, if they were going to fight, I wanted to see that play out. If there was going to be a heavier argument to see that tip off, I wanted to see that play out. And they just kind of cut away. And it was kind of confusing on why they chose to do that. But then at the end of the episode, we find out that Renee and somebody he's working with is, are the ones responsible for killing Felicity Smoke and for um, essentially setting up these bombs to wipe out Star City so that the Glades can kind of take over. And I was like, huh, I, I don't know what I think about all this, but uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to play off. But again, I'm not entirely 
too, too certain. So Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, I seen that could have played out as two different ways. We did meet that character that kind of, you know, we, we know that Renee talked about. But they didn't, <clears throat> Renee never mentions to him having Felicity killed. So it makes me think that he could have had, like, he could have told this guy, hey, you know, you kind of put a lid on Felicity right now or get her under control. And he interpreted that as having her killed. Um, so Renee still doesn't know anything about or was not responsible in directly for having her killed. Or it could have played out the opposite way in that he is directly responsible for her having her killed. I think there's still a little vagueness yeah. to that whole situation. Like, you could definitely tell he wasn't pleased that they killed off Felicity, but... You know, at the same time, though, too, he didn't seem like there was a lot of remorse about it. So I, I'm curious to see how that's going to play. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, my guess, too, is Felicity even really dead? My guess, no. I thought about that, too, because, uh, I mean, the two characters we really know nothing about because we haven't seen yet are Oliver and Felicity. We're under the impression that that Felicity is dead, but that could not be true. Uh, and Oliver, we haven't heard a damn thing about. Yeah. Same thing with Dick. Uh, we don't know what's what's going on with him yeah. at this point yet either. So. Uh, OTA, very absent from that future right now. And I think we'll see that play off soon. Yeah. So. Uh, the only other thing I want to make mention about this episode before we move on, unless you have anything else, is um, I feel like the writers recently have kind of been done with Curtis. Yeah. Uh, it, they really haven't been doing much with his character. And even in this episode, he kind of just pops in real quick for like a, a, a quick quip. And then you never see him again for the rest of the episode. It was almost kind of like they did it just to remind us that he still exists. Yeah. And then he's forgotten again for the rest of the episode. So I'm Well again, for him too, he could have been uh, could have been because we did see him in the crossover too. He was one of the few characters from uh Arrow uh, outside of Diggle and, you know, Felicity that had a role in the crossover. So it, his involvement in this episode too could have been because of scheduling. That's true. That that, that that's true as well. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, so. But you're right, though. I think even still for the calling for the rest of the season, his role has been very, very, very slim, Minimal. to say the least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on? Uh, no, I, I think it's um, it, it's climbing out of what I thought was a bit of a slump with uh, its midseason finale. And I think they're, they're getting there, but I think it's not quite there yet. Uh, and I'm, again, a little bit of a loss right now on who this big bad's going to be. Obviously, we keep getting this mention of Dante that Lila and, you know, Dig are looking into. Uh, we don't know how that's going to play off yet at all. Um, so maybe that's going to be our big bad because I don't know. And I can't see Diaz as the big bad now being part of, you know, the Ghost Initiative. Um, so well, it's a big wait and see. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to next week uh, or are we really looking forward to next week? Uh, apologies ahead of time to David Ramsey <laughs> because he is the director of next week's episode. Uh, past sins. The past comes back to haunt both Oliver and Laurel. <clears throat> Curtis is upset when he discovers that Diggle and Lila have restarted the ghost initiative with Diaz, China White, Kane Wolfman, and Carrie Cutter. Oh, God, we're going to tear that episode apart. Uh, well, you never know. It could be really good. It could be really again, good. We've I don't think ever had a bad suicide squad episode so again i think cupid actually worked in the last suicide squad episode that she was in it's just a question of how is this gonna play so again china white not exactly one of my favorite characters i made no bones about it since she first appeared in season one so really but again they could do a lot with it I, again a character i never thought i'd enjoy was bronze tiger and man oh man yeah. i loved bronze tiger uh this this season so far in his episodes in you know the prison stuff 
So I think they have an opportunity here to still do something awesome. Again, the first time we, I think, met, you know, Cupid, it, she wasn't that bad of a character. She was interesting, and there could be a lot of fun stuff that they could do with her. And I think they have an opportunity to potentially allow those characters to grow and do more. So I'm not going to write this episode off until uh, I see it. So if it's a... Uh, if it's really fantastic, I will give you a damn good score. And if it's not, I will absolutely tell you. So. <laughs> well, we'll find out next week when we watch it. Yeah. Um, I want to start incorporating this into the podcast too. Is and and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in now because now's the best time to do it. We as uh, Rob and I, we want you guys' feedback on these episodes too. We don't want to just hear you listen to what we have to say. We want to hear what you have to say too. So you're gonna hear us mention these again at the end of the podcast as we typically do but uh we encourage you to leave us feedback on these episodes as well as the upcoming episodes and you can do that in one of two ways either one you can send us a message on facebook on our through our facebook page facebook.com slash dc primetime or you can send us an email as well with your feedback uh dc primetime at next level radio online.com and you never know we might read them on the podcast too. Actually, you know what? Um, let's make this a little easier. Okay. Uh, this is a little work for us, but I think we can do it. Um, let's make sure we start posting uh, at the end of the evenings after the episodes aired and said, "Hey, what did you think of this episode of, of Supergirl?" And just make sure to note, please, no spoilers. Uh, that way, there's a comment thread. So if there's anything big, um, uh, you know, thoughts, theories, things like that, people can post them in there for us, we and can, yeah. uh, we can. We can bring them up on the show the following week. Yep, they can definitely do that. I actually know of another podcast that does that every week. Oh, they only talk about one show a week, but and we talk about three or four, but that's okay. We can still do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's a good way to get feedback as well. So multiple ways, and we definitely encourage you guys to leave us your feedback. Uh, all right, that being said, let's talk about the news. Oi. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's start on the film side this time. So uh, we're going to jump over to a little bit about uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Patty Jenkins did come out a little bit and said uh, to uh, definitely expect a new No Man's Land-esque kind of sequence in the new film. Um, she did go on to say this. She said, I have a scene that's in this movie that is totally different, but it's my No Man's Land scene. It's like that one scene. He's, she said, I was so excited about it and having all those different things. It won't be that, that exact same thing, but that feeling uh, in those moments are going to be something really exciting, and I have a feeling it's going to be the big moment that people walk away to talk about. So, uh, really excited to see what that's going to be, because man, oh man, like even just thinking about No Man's Land, that was such such a stunning, stunning sequence. Yes. So I can't wait to see what they uh, what they bring. To It'll that. be in a shopping mall this time. It very well maybe. <laughs> um, like I said, we do know that there's some sequences they did shoot in a mall. So, uh, but we also <laughs> that's why know I said a it. A little bit more uh, about Wonder Woman three. Patty Jenkins did go on to say this that after. 1984 is finished up uh she did say her third wonder woman film and her again potential third wonder woman film would not be another period piece it would bring it into the modern era so like i said obviously the original one had taking place during world war one then moving into the 1980s so we'll be moving into 2020 2022 whatever it may be uh when the next one comes around so pretty cool to see that uh she's kind of moving and progressing her character forward um, jumping into a little bit of news about Todd Phillips' Joker film, Zazie Betts did come out and say a little bit and basically said one thing, and I want everybody to, I'm going to preface this off the bat. So this does not mean good or bad things. So, uh, so apparently, um, you know, she said the script was absolutely great. However, she revealed there was a lot of changes happening during film. She said, we rewrote the whole thing while we were shooting it. 
literally we would go into Todd's trailer and re uh, and then write the scene for the night and then do it. Uh, is that man? The writers of that script is going to be so pissed when he hears you say that. Um, <laughs> it was the person uh, that was interviewing her, and she was like, "Nope, he was there too, and he was also helping out." So, <laughs> uh, so it sounds like this was constantly evolving as they were doing it. Uh, but she did walk away and said, "The script is fantastic." Uh, and again, this happens all the time. Um, you know, I know. Again, this is a polarizing, you know, film to talk about for this. But uh, the Force Awakens changed dramatically on set. Uh, once uh, Harrison Ford was injured uh, and they had to rewrite the large swaths of that film together. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting the way that these things happen, but I think one of the things to say is uh, wait to watch it before you make any kind of a, like, you know, jabs or, or, or digs at a film. Um, it's that's, we always say form your own opinion and we'll get to make that opinion in just a couple months. So yeah, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, October 4th. So um, I'm really excited. All right, uh, jumping into a little bit of Aquaman. Uh, big congrats to the film, obviously breaking the billion-dollar mark. It is really high up there. I think it is now the third-highest-grossing film for uh, DC Comics domestically. I think it's the third-highest-grossing gr- film internationally now, too. So big, big, big props to uh, I don't think it's, Blanc's I, Aquaman. I don't think it's very far off of Dark Knight, though. Uh, I think it actually just passed Dark Knight. Okay. I think um, Wonder Woman and BBS are uh, the next ones up. Um, and I think it's not far off from BBS. I think it's not going to beat Wonder Woman, though. I think Wonder Woman was like 425 mil domestically. Uh, I think this was sitting around 320, I think, right now. I can't remember. But I think right around there. So I'm sure um, they said it had another great week last week. But James Wan did state that um, it sounds like Aquaman 2 is already in development. And he is likely to return as the director. Uh, which is not a bad thing, and I'm really excited to see what he can do when he doesn't have to deal with an origin story. I think this, if they get it right on the money, um, I, I, I'd be incredibly excited because, again, thoroughly enjoyed. Had an opportunity to see it again this week, um, and uh, I still walked away thoroughly enjoying that movie. So I, I'm The list I'm seeing now has Aquaman as the number two worldwide for DC. With yes, Dark, Knight, Dark Knight Rises, uh, the only one beating it. And not and by again, much. And again, and that's worldwide. I yeah. Think, I think internationally, I think it's the number two movie internationally as a whole. Or number two or number three internationally as a whole. Okay. Um, and then I think right now, yeah, I think it's, again, a number number two or number three domestic for DC. So. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, jumping into a little bit of TV stuff. Let's talk about Supergirl first. And we got our first look at John Cryer as Lex Luthor. Uh, which was pretty exciting to see. We see him rocking his goatee in the shot, uh, standing behind jail. It's just that quick little maximum security shot showing him behind bars. So we'll see him very, very soon. Uh, but I will say uh, I'm really digging the look. I'm sure we'll see him probably shave his face unless he's behind bars the entire time. So kind of a big wait and see. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think what was your take uh, first time seeing it? No, I, I really I, I really like the look. I mean, we're, we're getting the typical bald Lex Luthor, which is the way it should be, uh, you know, with the bearded face, you know, more scruff than beard than anything else. But I think the portrayal of Lex, anybody could nail the look. And I mean, you could take pictures of Brian Cranston out of Breaking Bad and, and put him in a suit and call him Lex Luthor. I think it's more going to come across as the attitude that he has when we finally see him portray it. Right, and I heard there's a little bit of humor there the way that we got Gene Hackman, but apparently it transitions into kind of menace pretty quickly. 
so uh, we've been hearing a lot of positive things from the set, uh, from the scenes that he has shot. So uh, can't wait to see him. I'm sure it's just a couple weeks away before I, we get to see him. I've been time. anxious to see him ever since we heard that he was cast. Yeah, yeah, same here. So looking forward to it. Um, jumping over to The Flash, we did find out a little bit about what is in store for good old Ralph Dibney. And that sounds like we're going to be getting a love interest for him very, very soon. And that makes a lot of people excited, thinking, I think we're about to introduce Sue. So, obviously, the future wife of Ralph, Sue Dibney, is a huge character in the comic books. um, And meets one of the most tragic ends in the comics as well, in uh, Identity Crisis. So, I'm very curious to see uh, them bring this character in and see this play off. So, very excited to see uh, Sue's appearance in the show. Jumping into some Arrow news, uh, we found out we are going to be getting another major character that is yet to debut this season. Uh, And we're going to find out who that character is in two episodes. There have been no hints whatsoever, but we know that is in episode 150. uh, That is going to be narrated by none other than Kelsey Grammer. As we mentioned last week, that episode is titled Emerald Archer. Um, I think right now, I think our thoughts are that could be potentially a new big bad. Maybe the person responsible for killing Emiko's mother. I think is Ben, you you made that mention. Um, I think that's a high chance. Um, it could be very well possible that we might be getting introduced to another vigilante. So big wait and see. Yep. And that vigilante, the character, another vigilante, <laughs> as in another person who is a vigilante. And I'm, <laughs> I'm so. looking forward to that episode purely because of the fact of Kelsey Grammer doing a mockumentary voiceover for that ca- for that episode. And the question is, who is he playing? Is he playing Kelsey Grammer or <laughs> Fraser Crane would be fantastic. Uh, if it was Fraser Crane, I would be so happy. <laughs> so. Uh, big news, though, uh, over on Batwoman. Uh, we have three pieces of casting that just happened, and uh, it's for uh, the three major characters that will be working alongside Kate through the show. Uh, so the actors, uh, we've got Megan Tandy, who was previously from Team Wolf, Camerus Johnson, who was from uh, Luke Cage, and I think it was Nicole Kang, uh, which uh, she was from You is the show. Uh, not a show I'm unfortunately uh, It's, it's a Netflix with. show. I haven't watched it yet either. Okay. Uh, so uh, as far as these, Tandy is going to be playing uh, the character of Sophie Moore. Uh, Tandy also, like I said, uh, played uh, the character Brayden from Teen Wolf. Uh, so another Teen Wolf alum. Obviously, we know Tyler Hoechlin, um, who is our Superman in this universe, also came from that show. Uh, but we know that's going to be the romantic partner for uh, Kate. So we're going to see that play off. So uh, she also has a reoccurring role currently in the Charmed reboot. Um, now, as far as Cameron Johnson. This is the big one for me. Uh, obviously, coming off of his role in uh, uh, Luke Cage, we're going to see him joining the ranks playing Luke Fox, uh, obviously Lucius Fox's son. Uh, obviously, also in the co- uh, comic book worlds, also Batwing. So, looking forward to seeing how they play that off, too. But again, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they end up bringing in him as Batwing as a character. It would, would work very well if you want a little better uh, kind of idea of who he is. If you have Netflix in the U.S., you can check out Batman Bad Blood, uh, which um, is the first animated appearance of both Kate Kane and Batwing. So gives you a good good spot to kind of play a little catch up. Yeah. And then as far as Nicole Kang, she's going to be playing uh, Mary Hamilton, who is Kane's stepsister. And they are very, very polar opposite characters and has a lot of compassion for Gotham's under, uh, underserved communities. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays off. So, like I said, uh, we know they're going to probably, I believe, begin shooting, uh, I think, next month. Or I believe they were saying is um, maybe even as like late as March for that pilot. So, 
so not too far away before we start seeing a lot more for that show. I wonder, I, I know this is still nothing that's been announced yet, but I'm wondering if we're going to get a full season uh, pickup of Batwoman or if we're going to get like a partial season like we do Black Lightning. I think it's probably going to be a matter of how good the pilot is. I think so. And I believe the person that's shooting the pilot is Glenn Winter, if memory serves correctly. And I think he shot um, the, you know, uh, or I think he's the writer for it. And I think he helped write the pilot for Arrow. And I believe the director uh, for the pilot is actually the person that did the pilot for Game of Thrones. Uh, and they always refer, I can't remember the, the director's name, but they always refer to him as the pilot whisperer. Pretty much everything <laughs> he shoots gets picked up. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it. So it's a big, uh, big get if they we have another show adding into the mix of the Arrowverse. So uh, very exciting for us, and uh, I know you and I both loved uh, when we saw Kate and Elseworlds. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, jumping into the last two stories, going over to the side of DC Universe stuff, uh, Titans apparently is going to be adding not just one but two uh, Wilson family members. Obviously, Wilson being Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke the Terminator. Uh, and that could be his daughter, Rose, uh, a.k.a. Ravager, which we did see appear on Arrow previously. Uh, but we have known that in the past that Rose has indeed been a member of the Titans for quite some time in the past. So I'm sure that'll probably be the case here. Uh, there has been also rumblings and rumors of Joe Wilson, a.k.a. Jericho. Uh, but no one is quite entirely sure yet if it is also going to be that or if it's only going to be Rose, but there has been indeed rumblings that Joe, uh, a.k.a. Jericho, will also be making an appearance next season. So, big wait and see. But that wraps up the news for us this week. Cool. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff out there and um, I'm looking forward. There's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to, man. Lex popping up on Supergirl. Obviously, the uh, um, you know Wonder Woman 2, which uh, are they still filming or have they wrapped filming on Wonder Woman 2? I believe production has wrapped. Now they are working now on uh, on post uh, post post production at this point. So. so that could mean potentially by maybe March or April we could have a teaser. Um, I think we're not going to see March. Um, good reason why is we got Star Wars Celebration coming up, uh, which will be the you know um, you know where we're going to be seeing and getting the announcement of the title of episode nine and probably our first teaser. So they're probably going to avoid doing anything right around then. I would say if we see anything, you probably wouldn't expect anything probably at the earliest until April. Uh, but my guess, um, they're going to wait and they're going to probably wait until comic con. Okay. That makes, that would make sense. Cause that was usually, that was when they gave us BVS. That was when they gave us justice league, uh, Shazam. So yeah, that would make sense if they waited until the summer to give us the trailer for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I know a couple shows that we don't really talk about or we haven't started talking about yet. I know there are still some Gotham fans out there, and Gotham is, in my opinion, these first four episodes have been really good. Uh, unfortunately, do you want to do you want to take a couple minutes and you can if you want. Um, you know, I really don't know if we're ever going to get to Gotham again, which is rather unfortunate because the show did pick up. Um, but what they're doing, I mean, it, the show made a major time jump. Gotham is kind of uh, sealed off from the rest of the world. The bridges of kind of what they did in uh, Dark no Knight land. Returns. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's no man's land, and then uh, again, also that, which was kind of what they did in in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly what they did. Or in Dark Knight Rises. I'm sorry. It it is no man's land. You know, the the cops are are, are a faction. Uh, Penguin has his own faction. Riddler is kind of out there doing his own thing. Uh, Barbara Keene's got her kind of faction going. So there are multiple gangs out there. And it was very interesting because the season premiere starts with 
you see literally all of the factions come together uh, to take on a common enemy. That enemy is never revealed who it is, but you literally see Jim Gordon, um, Oswald Cobblepot, uh, Riddler, you know, Edward Nigma, uh, Barbara Keen, like all these people come together to kind of take on this force. They never reveal who it is, and then it goes back to show how they took place. So literally the season is them building up to that moment they started the season with. So it, it's very interesting, and I know Bane is getting introduced. I know Jeremiah is doing some kind of undertaking. We don't know what it is yet. Um, they've introduced a Harley Quinn. Um, Selena seems to be becoming the Catwoman that we know her as now and uh, because of things that Ivy has done. So it's it's been very interesting, but I'm really enjoying it. And we only have eight. We're about a third of the way through the season right now, through the final season. Cool. And you know what? Uh, you might as well give a quick thought because, like I said, I haven't watched it yet because I want to wait a little bit. You are current with Young Justice, correct? I am. I'm not going to ruin anything with that, though. All I'm going to say about Young Justice is I know there's actually been a couple people who have posted on the Facebook page if we're going to be covering it, and we are. Uh, but right now, it's episode, through episode 10, or no, episode 12. 13. 12 or 13? 13. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I could just look because I have it up right now. Uh, yeah, there's been 13 episodes, which I'm current on. Uh, and they've taken a mid-season finale. They're going to take a couple weeks. Uh, Doom Patrol is going to be debuting. And then either Young Justice is going to be finishing the second half of the season later on in the year. So we were initially planning on doing Young Justice in the spring. But now it's going to play out as it's going to be determined as to when Young Justice returns. because we wanna... or, or we'll break it into two sections again. Because, you know, unlike Titans, uh, this is going to be 26 episodes. So we may have to go run through the 13 and then come back so we still have to figure out the way that we're planning on doing that so yeah but I, I won't i won't reveal anything i won't spoil anything all i will say is that there has been some really cool twists in additions to some characters i never thought we would see pop up uh in cartoon or animated series or anything uh and also some twists as to people you don't think who, who they are who oh how do i put this um they're not who they who you think they are Hmm. So, uh, and some hints at some future characters that are going to be coming in as well. So, uh, I've been really enjoying it. I'm probably going to rewatch the first half of the season before the second season starts back up as well. Oh, yeah. Or a third season. Yeah. Third sorry. season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, everybody has been talking about it and saying just uh, nothing but rave things and saying it has been phenomenal. So, really excited to see it. Yeah. It's, so. it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I know you I, I can i'm pr pretty sure i can speak for you too really looking forward to doom patrol yeah absolutely absolutely and again that's just a couple weeks away i believe february 15th so, yeah so two weeks yeah a little yeah a little over two weeks so Very i'm cool. i'm really really looking forward to that so and and we'll uh we'll definitely be reviewing episode one um in the mix with the rather uh, rest of the shows when that appears just like we did for titans uh, the only reason we're not doing that with just uh, you know, Young Justice is, again, uh, there's a lot more there, um, and we want to make sure we give that its full due. But again, uh, we'll do the same thing for Doom Patrol Episode 1 and then come back around to it after the season wraps. Let's talk about the full season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, some Any recommendations for this week? Uh, I do. I do have one. And it was something I actually messaged you about. It was something I ended up watching at like. 4.35 in the morning one night. I woke up and I was skimming Netflix and trying to fall, fall back to sleep. 
and uh, I came across something very much not comic book related whatsoever. Uh, and it was a little documentary. It's and not too, too long. It's about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, that's was trending. And I was like, you know what? I'm very curious. It was called the Bill Murray stories, life lessons learned from a mythical man. And this is a fantastic documentary. It is all about the weird sightings and things that he has shown up to at random where you've heard that story of him, you know, like playing kickball in the park with a whole bunch of kids out of nowhere or showing up at a party or, or crashing weddings and yeah. or crashing a wedding or going and ending up bartending at a bar. It's all those stories in this documentary uh, filmmakers going through and cataloging some of these stories and getting the first town accounts and stories and some of the background video of these things in the hopes to meet Bill Murray. And it's a really fantastic documentary. Uh, so I highly recommend if you are a fan of his, um, it made me love that man even more uh, because of, I think, the message and the reasons of what he's doing, not just for himself, but for other people. So I highly recommend giving it a watch. Yeah, he's I've been a fan of Murray's for a while. And a lot of it stems not just from his work, because his work is fantastic. Everything from, you know, Ghostbusters to What About Bob, like everything. I, do, I even go back as like to some of his, in my opinion, underrated stuff. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember a movie called Quick Change. With, oh yeah, uh, with him, Randy Quaid, and um, Gina uh, Gina Davis, mm -hmm. you know, which uh, I think is very underrated. But uh, you know, and then my love for him grew when I saw him doing all these random appearances and things like that. And then I heard a rumor too. I don't know if it's touched on in the documentary, and I really do want to watch it. Might even watch it today while I'm editing this. Uh, is I, I heard a rumor that when it comes to the projects that he does, he doesn't have a rep he literally has a phone number that you can call to pitch your project and if he likes it or he's interested he will call you back that is a very big part of this document it is good okay okay uh, they talk about the 1-800 number quite a bit okay and, um it's it's actually pretty interesting and we even hear sofia coppola talk a little bit about uh lost in translation and not even knowing if he was going to appear like be in the movie or not um, and they started filming, and lo and behold, boom, there's Bill. Okay. So I for uh, sure want to watch this documentary. It, it's, and again, that stuff is very on the sideline stuff. The, the real creme de la creme of this is a lot of the footage from the things that he has shown up from and people talking about those experiences. And again, it gives you an even better idea of who he is as a person. And it really, again, as I, 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 it was somebody I already had a lot of love for, and this made me love him not just as an actor, but as a person. Um, and I highly recommend. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, my recommendation for this week is something I think I've actually recommended before, uh, but I'm going to recommend it again just because I love it so much. If you have not, and I think you're even, I, I know you're a fan of this too, but I think you're behind. If you have not yet had a chance to check out The Orville on Fox, um, man, I cannot, it is no lie I think it has become one of my favorite shows, if not my favorite show on television right now. I, I'm going to wait until the season wraps. I'm going to. I've been trying not to just click the button and play all. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing with Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm just waiting for both of those to go through its seasons and to be able to binge it later. Because again, for me, those are shows that I thoroughly enjoy uh, and thoroughly love. But I know once I get down that rabbit hole i'm just gonna keep going and going and going um i mean like it's you know you had the orville last season that debuted its first season along with star trek discovery and between the two i put orville 
higher than Star Trek Discovery. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. We're now five episodes into season two of the Orville, two episodes into Discovery. Discovery in the first two episodes has been, part of my language, fucking phenomenal in just two episodes. But the Orville, in the way it combines the humor with the actual drama and the writing of the series, I, I, the, I find the show absolutely brilliant. And I think this second season has been even better than the first. That's awesome. I, I, that's that's high praise because I thought season one was fantastic. So did I. I mean, there are three, there are two or three episodes in season one that I put like as some of my favorite episodes of television. And man, this second season has already surpassed season one. That's and awesome. I, like I, I'm, I look forward to the Orville every week and. I really hope Fox doesn't screw the pooch and cancel it. I don't think they will because the show's even better this season. I find more people are fans of it now this year than they were last year. And Seth's kind of like their golden boy. Mm -hmm. So they kind of give Seth free reign. So I'm pretty sure we're probably going to see a third season pick up for the Orville. That's fantastic. You know what? I'm going to throw another recommendation out there too, especially if you're a gamer. Um, (laughs) I I, got to say, it feels so weird to say, but Tuesday... Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes, it does, and I've already pre-ordered it. I did, too. I actually just finished playing back through Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, the final mix from the collection, uh, just a couple days ago. And, God, I forgot how painful that camera system is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just how ridiculously bad the save points are and checkpoints are. And, God, I I, I can't wait for 3 for one reason. Auto-saving. God damn. (laughs) Because... Uh, and I swear, if autosaving isn't in it, I'm gonna just scream and put my face right through my 4K screen. So, so yeah. Um, but man, I you know I just started back too, and I know I'm not gonna have enough time to finish it up. I'm like maybe like 15, 20 percent in. So as soon as we wrap up, I'm gonna dive in. I'm off all day tomorrow, so I'm probably gonna do nothing but play Kingdom Hearts two before we record Caffeine Crew. Uh, and at midnight, I'm, I'm gonna try not to be an idiot and play and start at midnight. <laughs> Because I have work the first thing next morning. Well, but. is it midnight or is it three? Because I think it's midnight Pacific Standard Time. Uh, it's, this one is midnight, I believe, uh, Eastern Time. Oh. So. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy to say after 13 years of waiting um, that this is finally coming out. And if you're a fan and you haven't played through the entire series, including all of the insanely titled weird side projects that are part of it, I can tell you this now. I have seen a little bit of stuff from some early reviews and said, hey, guess what? If you didn't play a lot of those side things, you were going to be lost and lost and lost. So I highly recommend jumping yourself onto YouTube. Uh, there's a great video out there called uh, Kingdom Hearts Timeline Simplified. I highly recommend watching it. It's about 20 minutes long. Uh, and it shed some light on some things that I did not understand. And I think I feel a lot better going into it. So, so. wait, you, you need to have played those side ones, too? Oh yeah! Oh um, damn it! I gotta watch that video then. Uh, the big one, the big ones I can say from understanding this is uh, Dream Distance Drop, which was from the 3DS, and Birth by Sleep, which was on uh, the PSP. Um, if you do have again those Kingdom Hearts collections, or I think it's, it's called the Story so far, and then there's two other ones called um, that's the 1.5 plus 2.5, which has most of the games. And then there's the game called 2.8. And every time I talk about Kingdom Hearts, I feel like, again, I suffered a head injury. Uh, because in there is a game called Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. Uh, no lie, that is the name of the game. Um, and it is maybe two or three hours long. Uh, it continues Aqua's story from Birth by Sleep. 
and is the direct lead into three. And apparently there is a big joke at the very beginning of Kingdom Hearts three, which I will not spoil here. Uh, that will give a lot of people a laugh that have been waiting for a good long while. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And you know what? It's it, it, dude, it's a good time to be a gamer. It, it really is. I mean, we've got Kingdom Hearts coming out. We've got Resident Evil 2 just Resident Evil 2 just, reviews. Yeah, yeah, just dropped. Uh, I know for anybody who's a fan of Far Cry, Far Cry New Dawn comes out in, I think, about two weeks. So, yeah, man, it's I, I just finally wrapped. Man, good timing, too. Just wrapped up God of War. Um, I still got to play through Spider-Man DLC, which, I, which is probably what I'll be doing between now and Kingdom Hearts is playing through that to kind of get that taken care of before Kingdom Hearts comes out. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Damn damn good uh, start of the year for gaming. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Cheap plugs, and then we can get out of here. Uh, as always, as I mentioned earlier, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. You can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com or facebook.com slash next level radio online and of course you can uh find us on social media at dc primers on instagram and twitter and as for me you can always find me through the caffeine crew cast of pods over at next level radio online.com our new episode is going to be actually recording tomorrow night which we are going to be discussing toxicity in fandoms so i'm really looking forward to seeing uh how that conversation goes uh, expect a lot of Star Wars talk. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if you hear a lot of DC talk in there, too. Yeah. Um, I think comic book comic book fandom toxicity is super high, uh, in addition to, obviously, things like you know video games, Star Wars being a big one of those. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that conversation goes. Uh, I believe we have a roundtable of six of us. If you did listen to our last episode of DC Primetime, you know that we have brand new equipment, so the show's uh, quality is going to be much, much different than it's been in the past. So really excited for that. Uh, but also a good special thanks to our good friend, George Shaw, at georgeshawmusic.com. You hear his tunes each and every week on the show. Please head over to his website or check out his SoundCloud to help support any of his projects he's got going currently or in the future. For sure. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's issue of DC Primetime. Uh, next week, new episodes of The Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl as per usual. And who knows what else we'll talk about. We might have an update with the jerseys, too, because by then we'll have seen the samples that are coming in. Yeah, if everything goes well, that means we're putting the orders in for our jerseys next week to yeah. make sure quality looks good. So... Man, I'm getting excited. I am too. (laughs) I I really am too. Uh, But that's it for this episode. Until next time, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.